This podcast is supported by the Rights, Equality and Citizenship Programme of the European Union. Welcome to the Rights Reporting Podcast. This is a show aiming to improve the rights of blind and partially sighted citizens in Europe. And my name is Neven Milivojevic, and I will be hosting today's episode. Today we will focus on the important right of having equal access to culture. Well, the access to culture, both as a cultural worker as well as a consumer of culture, is highly challenging amongst blind and partially sighted citizens in Europe. And this despite ambitious political visionary documents by, for instance, the European Commission or rights uh, stipulated in the UN Convention on the Rights for Persons with Disabilities. Well, today we will meet experts uh, and culture workers from both Netherlands and Belgium and we will hear more about barriers and challenges, but also impressive commitment and tools for solutions. Let's first listen to Rafael Arias from Spain. He's a blind artist painter, and he studied at the Art Academy in Madrid and specialized in graphic design and photography, apart from painting. He had his own ad company, which he lost when he became totally blind at the age of 40. Nevertheless, he decided to continue painting. His over consists of around 300 paintings and he exhibited in over 10 countries. Mi nombre es Rafael Arias Fernández. Soy una persona ciega total. My name is Rafael Arias Fernandez. I'm completely blind. At 16, I first lost my sight in one eye due to glaucoma and lost my vision completely in both eyes at the age of 40. I am an artist painter. I studied fine arts, graphic design and photography in Madrid, Spain, after which I worked with several advertising companies. Later I created my own ad design studio, also in Madrid. When I became blind, I had to give up my work in advertising and turn to painting again, another passion of mine. Going back to painting, I reflected on how to make a painting without seeing. After a lot of thinking and studying, I created my own method and technique, which enables me to do just that. This technique allows me to create oil paintings in a variety of themes and styles, all from memory. Themes are still life, landscape, nude, etc. Most figurative work in a realistic, impressionist style. The problems, difficulties that we as artists with disabilities face 
Well, really are many. Complicated as it already is for non-disabled artists, imagine the barriers that those of us who can't see are up against. Apart from mobility and information, society is quite reluctant to believe that a blind person can paint. And this is something I find really frustrating. I was rejected once from an exhibition. The lady in charge simply didn't believe that I had made those paintings of that quality myself. When in fact, I always paint alone and without help. Anyway, they made me leave and I was excluded. As if I was a liar and not a professional artist. Society has to be made aware that artists with disabilities are very capable of more than what people think. Luckily, I've had my exhibitions also abroad. With my work, I wish to convey that one can achieve more than we ourselves and others may think. That is also my message to society. I would like to welcome our three guests for today's podcast. From Belgium, we have Caroline Damon. She's visually impaired herself, and she is an experienced museum guide and teacher at training program for guides specialized in verbal description. Caroline is also a member of the EBU Cultural Network. Hi, Caroline. Hello. Welcome. We have also from Belgium, Dr. Tamara Ingels. Uh, she's an art historian, independent heritage consultant, and also a teacher at the training program for guides. Hi, Tamara. Hello, Nevin. Welcome to today's show. And lastly, but not least important, from the Netherlands, we have Brigitta Blockland. She has for more than 20 years been active in different roles within the European Blind Union. She is herself uh, having a, a visual impairment and she is currently coordinating the EBU Culture Network. She is an artist and an art and culture inclusion consultant. Welcome, Birgitta. Thank you so much for the invitation. Great to be here, Nevin. Thank you. Okay, so we can start with you, Brigitte. Uh, what are your reflections about Raphael's story we just heard? Well, Raphael said important things and he said recognizable things, things that we hear a lot from artists with visual impairments that they come across. And I think the three main issues he mentioned uh, was the accessibility issues on the one hand, access to information and mobility-related issues, but mainly and most importantly, the attitudes, the um, way that people perceive artists with disabilities, the professionality versus someone with disabilities being able or not to be a professional. Of course, we are professionals, uh, but the perception of a society often is not like that. And what he says about access to information and mobility all derives from um, the lack of awareness of people working, in this case, today's um, topic is um, 
access to culture. In the culture sector, the information is not there. People are not aware, um, are not informed about the possibilities of artists with disabilities. Um, I don't know if we have time to elaborate a little bit on the different aspects that Raphael mentioned. Please do. Okay. He mentions access to information, which is, of course, very important for all types of work that one does. And as an artist, you need to know what's going on and where the action is. Uh, if you can uh, participate in um, um, an exhibition somewhere, you need to know what kind of places you could write to or send information to or visit, perhaps. Um, also, if websites are not accessible, then the information is not there for you and it's difficult to find the information. That's on the one hand, um, and I could elaborate on this a lot more, but to go to the next one, mobility is also for um, people with disabilities a very big issue. And for people who are blind or partially sighted and artists who are blind or partially sighted, when you want a practical example, again, for example, when you have an exhibition, you need to take your artwork to places, to um, an art studio or uh, a museum. Uh, if you are a sighted artist, well, and you have a driver's license, perhaps you can rent a car and go places. And when you have a visual impairment, this is really a big issue. And this means that you need support by sighted people. Mm. And this brings me to uh, a third issue, which, which is a financial issue. Um, obvious, um, you depend on volunteers who can help you, but when you're a blind or partially sighted artist, you need more support. And you cannot pay for all the support that you need. And that is a big backset compared to artists um, without disabilities. Well, we will come back to you, Birgitta, if it's okay, uh, because I wanted to introduce our second uh, culture worker who also has vision impairment, uh, but who actually uh, worked very hard not to let barriers stop her. Uh, let's see if we have Caroline with us. Yes, I am here. In 2004, I lost most of my sight. And at that time, I worked as um, an employee at the University of Leuven. And they did not uh, have another opportunity for me on modified work. So I came to sit home with no challenges in life. And in uh, 2008, I started to follow the education of Museum Guide. And this uh, year was very um, tough for me. There, the teachers did not have the opportunities to give me the digital tools I needed. Um, and they did not believe in an almost blind guide. Um, they um, told me that I would not have the right um, connection with my group as uh, partially sighted. And I followed 
all the models I had to follow. I did my exam twice. Uh, the other uh, students had only to give one uh, guided tour. I had to give uh, two. And uh, at the end, I never got my diploma and I uh, did not get the recognition of a guide. But I had the opportunity to start as a guide for blinds and partially sighted in uh, the new museum at that time in Leuven. And um, I could start in Brussels at the Museum of Fine Arts too, but in 2010 I was still afraid to go on the way uh, by train and on foot alone to Brussels, so I did not do the museum in Brussels, but only Leuven. Uh, I started as an interim guide, but that was not a good solution, because for a guided tour, I earned 30 euros, and my disability income was much more but they gave uh, when I gave a tour, I lost a whole day of disability income, and I, ha I had to take holidays on the few worked hours too. So I went to work uh, as a volunteer, but there I lost all the credits of respect of my colleagues and. I felt I was not uh, no more one of them. And after some time, they told me at the museum that sighted people uh, or sighted guides could do my job even better than I did. So I quit the museum in Leuven and uh, I turned into a severe depression. Well, I can understand that because, I mean, they have in many ways failed here to yeah. have any, any understanding of your situation. And actually, the, if I understand you correctly, the structures have actually made it impossible for you to work with this. I, I wanted to do something. I wanted to do something for the, for the people of yeah, my disability, but it, it was impossible. Mm. And since more or uh, than ten years, I um, I met Tamara, and we became good friends. And last year, I followed, due to Corona, uh, several online art sessions, mostly given by Tamara. And for me, it was very um, good to follow her sessions. She knows my needs, and, but my needs she, she is giving also to the sighted people, so it, it was nice. But I always also followed uh, some guided uh, online sessions for visual impaired people and these sessions were not okay. So Tamara and myself started the Argus Association and each month we give an adapted art session for visual impaired people and sighted people also may follow. For them it is slow art. 
But even there, I like to do it. I like to give these sessions and Brigitte followed uh, already uh, some of our sessions. Uh, but due to my invalidity income, I may not earn anything. I had to write a note that I do not get any money for all the guiding work I do. My part of everything stays on the account. Mm. Well, and that's really sad in a way, I have to say. And then uh, I like to say too that since last year I joined, joined the EBU Culture Network, where I work together also with Brigitta. Mm. That's my story. Oh, that's a fantastic story. Well, we will come back to you, uh, Caroline. Let's let's hear. Uh, we have the privilege of also having Tamara with us here, uh, who have experience uh, uh, doing this new uh, project with you. So, uh, Tamara, could you tell us a little about your perspective on on the issue? Hi, Nevin. Uh, yes, I, I, I'm glad to uh, have this uh, invitation. Um, indeed, uh, I'm, I'm a teacher in an adult education program for guides. So we train uh, city and museum guides in a school in Brussels called uh, CVO Brussels Campus Covey. And uh, we have a program that is also open for the sighted and uh, visually impaired people. Um, we try to work on our um, idea of inclusion within culture and the access to culture. Um, but we do experience that there are several problems uh, to find this access into culture and into the cultural field, unfortunately. And thanks to my friendship with Caroline, I did realize that there is much more to it than just a few little problems. Um, she was a student of mine, as she also uh, already said. And I must say, she taught me a lot about looking at art in very different ways. I am an art historian, but she learned me to uh, look at art in a very different way. And uh, in fact, I did learn that we can in fact, learn a lot from the visually impaired in looking at art. So that is why uh, from our friendship and from all the, the frustrations that Caroline just mentioned, we started Arius, we started to collaborate to see, uh, can we work with this idea of inclusion, the sighted and the visually impaired working together uh, in looking at art, in talking about art. And yes, it works and it works wonderfully. Because, of course, we have, for once, a, a, a very accessible program, but we also have this idea of um, looking at art can go very slow, can go very fast, but in a way, we have all got to learn to look at art in a very different way. Now, what disturbs me most in, in, in the whole thing is that in fact, we are both equals. We work as equals, but I can get paid as a sighted person, but Caroline still cannot get paid. How, how crazy is this, in fact? And we also see the same pro, pro, problem um, in the teacher education program. We also see the same problem in the guide training program, uh, where the visually impaired people can, in fact, have 
access to the ed education, but the question is, do they have access to the working field? And that's why we wanted to share the story of Caroline, because um, if you can follow the training and uh, if you even uh, after the story of Caroline, you can get uh, a diploma. Is it possible to find a job as a visually impaired guide within our structures in Belgium, but also in Europe? And I think we have a lot of work to do there to, to get this thing going and to show people that, yes, this is possible as long as we work together, as long as we uh, realize that being equal is so much more important as long as we can uh, work from the idea of inclusion and uh, with the two of us we just get stronger that's that's the whole point of it um, but I'm, I'm very thankful to Caroline because she really taught me that looking at art is a lifelong process and it, it happens a lot that she asks me questions about uh, an artwork and I have to answer her, hmm, I didn't see that. It's due to your question that I get to look at this artwork much better. Um, and I also heard Brigitta and, and, and Raphael saying uh, that there are problems for artists as well to get this recognition and this is horrible. This is the same problem. Um, we, we have to do something about this. We have to realize that uh, um, it's not uh, that you are visually impaired, that you cannot be a guide or you cannot be an artist. No, you have so much more to say than, than the sighted artist and the sighted guide. You have a different way of looking at the world, which is interesting for everyone. So let's share it. But, uh, for instance, uh, uh, put a question to you, uh, Caroline. Uh, would you would you say that it would be possible uh, to do this project, which you have done together with Tamara, in other countries in Europe? Yes, it could be. Yeah. Do you have any recommendations to people? How could they start it? How could they do about? How could they find the same ways forward as you have done? Oh, I think first of all, uh, you have to to have a good connection between the visually impaired uh, person and the and the sighted person. Uh, there has to be a click between the two, but then you can do. Oh, Everything, I think. I tried to explain, for example, um, Art Nouveau to, to the blind people in June, and that was far out of my comfort zone, but it was okay. I could do it. So when I can do it, other people can do it too. Interesting. So actually, uh, then it's about finding... Uh, some commitment, some committed person, yeah. both the visually impaired and the sighted person. Yeah, who... you have you have to to have two persons who who, who come good t together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you, Tamara, what do you think uh, are the, the secrets of your success? 
I think the secret of our success is the the fact that we are having fun in doing this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And Caroline starts laughing, so that's a good sign uh, for me. But that's that's the first part because due to this fact that we start from from being equals and 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 being inclusive towards one another and and understanding one another, we enjoy so much more talking about art and 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 uh, sharing this with other people. So I think one of the most important things is to to uh, be enthusiastic about what you do and uh, try to follow a very good methodology. Uh, make sure you take in a lot of feedback and, and you can learn from, from what other people say. But mostly, uh, I think people listen and, and come to our sessions because uh, we just, we have fun. <laughs> That's the click we have. Wonderful. Well, I have a last question to you uh, regarding this case. And so, but how do you uh, manage to make this like a serious professional uh, project and not like kind of a charity where, where uh, uh, the sighted person feels sorry for the uh, blind person? I mean, how do you uh, ensure that this is really about professionalism? That's a very difficult question. I think uh, we we created uh, Argus uh, especially because we wanted to, to reach the professionalism. And it's the only way we can do it, that we can do it professionally uh, and that Caroline can collaborate. So I think that's the very first step to create a very good framework uh, in which we can work. And I hope that in time, this framework can become something that uh, that will support Caroline as well, because that's absolutely necessary. She's uh, she's wonderful, and we just have to make sure that she's also protected uh, and she can keep working in the way she's doing this, because it's a very important message she's uh, sending out to the world. Hey, I can do this. Mm, wonderful. Thank you very much for that, Amara and Caroline. So, Begita, you are, uh, as we know, also an artist, a blind artist. And I wondered, do you have any reflection about this uh, successful uh, uh, example from, the, from Belgium? Absolutely. I think it's a great example how we can react to a situation that we want to see changed. And if the situation doesn't change, then we find an alternative. We blind and partially sighted people are troubleshooters. We are we are changers. We are solution seekers. And this is an, an excellent example for that. And of course, what we really would like to see is that um, these kind of great initiatives uh, go alongside initiatives by the cultural sector so that these um, sessions, for example, that Tamara and Caroline are organizing are not the only ones, but that are also offered by museums and that um, theaters and even movie theaters and sports activities are inclusive of um, the wider public that they can serve. And the basis on which this can happen has already been explained so beautifully by by Tamara I think we need each other and um, it, it has to be inclusive and it's really wonderful to see this initiative and it makes me sad that these initiatives are 
needed. So I would really hope that this is something that could be um, working um, alongside. So mm-hmm. the cultural sector taking this up. And I want also to mention that it's not always because people don't want to um, you know, be inclusive, but there's this misperception that it's troublesome, that it's complicated, that it's expensive, that um, there is no one to turn to. People don't really, people I mean um, uh, the cultural sector in general, they mm. don't really know where to get the information. Um, you know, they get, uh, as you know, the UNCRPD, uh, Article 30, but the UNSC, UNCRPD has been ratified in in, in Europe and um, countries have to start implementing legislation uh, with this and you know there's the disability act and and all very good plans also on the uh, on culture in the european union but how to implement the legislation um, the cultural sector now is faced with the obligation to be inclusive but nobody tells them how to do that and um, we can tell them how to do that. Uh, we have the knowledge and the experience and we are the professionals that can help the cultural sector, in this case, the cultural sector, to to implement not only legislation, but to be more inclusive and widen their, um, their um, uh, audiences, which is also beneficial for the cultural sector in, in itself. So we are happy to, to lend them a hand. And of course... Uh, which is also what the UNCRPD says, and Tamara also mentioned this, it's so important to include us, blind and partially sighted people, from the very beginning of the project. And we are professional, we are experts, we know what we are talking about, and we can talk uh, on behalf of a large group of blind and partially sighted people. And that's what we do in, in EBU. EBU is a European organization representing over 30 million people with sight loss in um, uh, wider Europe, so even countries outside Europe, geographical Europe. Um, and in all these countries, there are national organizations of blind and partially sighted people, and they can speak on behalf of a larger group, so they know the needs of both blind and partially sighted people and are the experts that can help out uh, whether it is uh, a government uh, to to make rules on how to implement legislation, uh, but also uh, the individual parts of cultural sector, from museums to theatres to sports events to all kinds of, of cultural aspects. And that is where it starts. It starts with collaboration. And um, as we always say, um, nothing about us without us include us and together we can reach much more and we can learn from each other. Exactly. And don't include us at the very end when you have already spent the money and think with the best intentions, uh, people who don't have the experience and the knowledge, you know, try to think of ways to make their museum more accessible for a blind and party sighted audience. And then at the very end, when they have done all that, then they find a couple of blind and partially sighted people that can test it. And then oftentimes it's not good enough. What would you say is the main problem then, Birgitta? I mean, is it the, the knowledge 
uh, within the cultural sector, or is it uh, as they think sometimes themselves? Is it about money, or what? What would you say is the the main challenge in 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 why this is not happening? What we are talking about? It's uh, it's attitude, and attitude comes from knowledge. So it's it's the attitude, it's the perceptions people have that come from lack of knowledge. Mm. Um, so what we as organizations and as individuals, but especially organizations, uh, we have to raise awareness. It's what Rafael Arias started on in, in, in his presentation. Um, raise awareness so that people change the perception they have that when um, someone has a disability, in our case, a visual impairment, um, both Raphael and Caroline mentioned this, then all of a sudden you're not seen as a professional anymore. No. So mm -hmm. this perception, we have to change that, and that's by raising awareness. Mm -hmm. So once people are aware, we can give them the information to understand what the implication of a visual impairment is. I can be a professional, we all can be a professional, but in order to um, execute our job, we need certain circumstances mm -hmm. and those circumstances and maybe AIDS as well. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, a, um, a personal assistant to help us with mobility or with finding information or uh, whatever. So there are certain circumstances and AIDS that we need in order to, to be able to perform that. And I think mm -hmm. once that is understood, then people are willing. You create the, the commitment uh, to make that change. But then the other very important part of information and lack of information that we still find now is that they don't know how. So once we made them understand why something is important, then we can tell them. And that's they don't, they don't find us. They don't know where to find us, apparently. Or they yeah. don't search for us because they don't know. So we need to explain and say that we can help them. They don't have to, to find uh, and, and spend a lot of time and money in trying to find solutions. They have to get in touch with us and yes. in, include us from the very beginning of a project mm -hmm. to see if the project is actually something that is useful for us or not. We may well. even say it's discarded, but we need um, other solutions and we can help them there's legislation we can help we have the knowledge experience and professionalism to to make this happen and it's Wonderful. not that expensive and it's not that difficult mm -hmm. and we are here to to um to aid the cultural sector so if the the audience of this podcast amongst them uh, are uh, uh, you know, legislators and decision makers and people from the cultural sector get in touch with the with the European Blind mm -hmm. Union on on our website. It's www.euroblind.org, mm -hmm. and there you find all uh, the member organizations and the countries that where you can find the information and the support to be more inclusive. Thank you very, very much, all of you. I think it has been a most interesting uh, podcast today with uh, both uh, looking at the challenges we have, but also seeing some very impressive and interesting solutions. So thank you very much for listening to the Rights Reporting podcast. This show is a part of a European Parvis project and is led by European Blind Union the Swedish Association for Visually Impaired, and the Eye Association of the Netherlands. The project is supported by the Rights, Equality and Citizenship Programme of the European Union.
Now, did you get more curious about us and would like to know more? Well, then you can find some contact details in the show notes. Thank you also to our uh, soundmaster, Emil Cornelis. See you in next podcast. Bye-bye. This podcast was supported by the Rights, Equality and Citizenship Programme of the European Union.